0: team we are in happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you are absolutely fantastic. I hope you had a wonderful wonderful week um and I hope that you haven't been too hot this week. Uh, yesterday I got into my car after leaving it for a couple of hours to go for a meeting came back and it said 37 degrees um albeit yes, that was stationary in a car park, but that is that is warm and then we had the most monumentally massive storm, uh, which was really, really cool. So um I hope you're all having an absolutely fantastic week. Now then, what we're going to do this evening is we're going to dive into the subject of nutrition and what I want this particular episode, this call, this podcast, however you're catching up on it, what I want this to serve you as is your one-stop shop for understanding exactly what you need to know to start or even restart your nutrition journey. Now then, what do I mean about that? Well, there's going to be a lot, there's a lot of feedback over week's weeks past that have basically said that things have happened, life happens. It does, it happens. We can't be perfect all the time. Um, I say to a lot of people, you know, ensure for 80% of perfection, not 100%. Because 100%, it's very, very seldom achievable. And the stress that it takes to get there takes away from actual enjoyment of life. So if we can aim for 80%, then the 20% is, you know, allowing for life to happen, allowing you to go out to friends, have meals out, chill, eat cookies, almond croissants, that sort of thing. Because that's what life's all about. And we've got this food um so readily available in the western world that trying to avoid it i think is a little foolish because it's like trying to avoid all these things that we genuinely kind of want in our diet diets but they're all around us okay so it's going to be a difficult job now some people in previous feedbacks have been stuck in that 20 percent and actually then starting to think oh my goodness you know everything's going out of the window things are happening this that and the other and what i want this call to serve you as is a bit of a one-stop shop to really get back into that restart of nutrition what it is that we need to focus on and how we for excuse me how we focus on that all right so without further ado let's dive into it he says let's dive into it but the keyboard's not working there we go now first and foremost there is somebody stood on top of a hill with what looks like a golf flag understand the goal folks We need to understand before we dive into the calories and the nutrients and all this, that and bits and pieces, we've got to understand what it is that we're trying to achieve. What is the goal that we are trying to achieve? Okay, because when we understand the goal, what we then do is we can understand what it is that we're trying to aim for. When we understand what it is that we're aiming for, then we can then tailor our approach to that. So if we're looking in the world of nutrition, well, what's the goal? The goal is going to be one of three things. Every single person will fit. Into one of these three things. Okay. The number one, weight loss, trying to manipulate body weight in order to lose body weight, body fat, whatever. Number two, trying to dial in healthy habits and improve an existing diet without manipulating body weight. Number three, sports performance. You are trying to dial in your nutrition to bring out that extra 10% performance. You are trying to get to the cutting edge. Every single person outside of clinical conditions, for which you will need a dietitian, but outside of clinical conditions, everyone will fit into one of those three camps. And actually, when you look at the clinical conditions, you know, pre-diabetic, that is a condition that will fit into one of those three. I'm talking, if we're looking at PCOS, type 1, type 2 diabetes, we're talking about gut issues and irritable bowel disease things like that then inflammatory bowel disease sorry then that's when we're looking at things a little bit more outside the box for everything out of that one of those three things that is where everyone's going to fit so you need to understand what it is that you're trying to achieve and try and achieve one at a time don't try and go into all three so are we trying to lose weight yes or no if the answer is yes fantastic we found our god if the answer is no then brilliant move on to the next one Let's put the next one as sports performance, the opposite end of the spectrum. Are we trying to really dial into our sports performance? Is that the goal? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, we found our goal. If we haven't, then it's going to be that we're trying to dial in our overall healthy eating, our healthy lifestyle to improve the consistent quality of what it is that we're eating for health, vitality, and energy. Those are the three things. So once we understand the goal, we can now then clarify the approach that we need to take. So. Speaking of approaches, let's look into what they look like. To track or not to track, that is indeed the question. Now, this is probably one of the first questions that every single person will ask when it comes to dining in the nutrition. Oh, you know, do I need to track? Do I need to get my tracking app? Track, track, track. Why? Because the world tells us that we need to track. Now then, I am neither for nor against tracking. It is simply a method to bring about the principle of An energy deficit if we are looking to decrease weight we need to be in some form of an energy deficit and that is utilizing more energy in our body than we are taking in calories in calories out i think calories kind of get a bit bit of a bad rap but ultimately it's the cumulative term for energy right we need to ensure that we are balancing that If we are looking at managing, uh, sorry, maintaining our body weight, but improving overall health, then yes, calories are important because we need to make sure that we've got some maintenance there. If we are looking to dial in our sports performance, then we need to make sure that, of course, we're getting the right macros for that. Macros being protein, fats, carbohydrates, macronutrients. Excuse me again. Now, when we understand whether we're going to track or not to track, we need to ask the question, are you going to have the patience And are you going to have the ability to be able to whip your phone out, scan some bar tabs and stuff, and track those foods into a tracking app consistently for a minimum of two to three weeks, and a maximum of about four? If you can commit to doing that for a month, let's say, worst case scenario, four weeks a month, right? Can you track everything? And I'm going to use the next word carefully. Can you track everything truthfully? And I'm not saying because you're going to necessarily deceive yourself or deceive me in purposely, but we forget things because we're human beings. In order to track the most effective way, that is going to be as you are putting food in your mouth, as you are about to eat something, that's when you track it, right? But a lot of people will then try and do something retrospectively. They'll get to the end of the day and they think, right, okay, what did I have for lunch? Well, I had this for lunch, I had that for lunch, I had this for lunch. What happens inevitably? You will forget something, So tracking or not to track, the delicate question is, do you have the time and the energy availability? Have you got the mental bandwidth to be able to do this? If you're absolutely fragged and you've got loads of stuff on and you're super, super busy, no is the answer to this question. Stop giving yourself too many things to stress about. If you've got a little bit more time availability, then, yeah, fantastic, because you can do this. What gets measured gets improved and it will be effective. But tracking is not the only answer. You can also not track. You can track other things. You can look at doing a food diary. You can look at taking pictures of what you're eating. You can look at tracking habits, all of which we will come into, come onto rather, in this call. But when it comes to understanding this, we need to first and foremost answer this question because I'm here to tell you right now that neither one of these is the correct nor the incorrect answer. It's about what works for you. That is the secret of nutrition. The principle is an energy deficit for weight loss. The principle is energy maintenance for maintaining overall health. And the principle is dialing in the correct split of macronutrients for sports performance. All of it comes down to energy balance, because clearly you can't really get sports performance in an energy deficit. You can still perform, but to get to that like cutting edge, it's not going to work. And you can't maintain body weight if you're in a surplus or a deficit, can you? So we need to make sure that's the principle. And it's like, um, oh, I can't remember who said the quote now. I'm pretty sure it was an Emerson quote that said, um, of methods there are a million and then some principles are a few. The man or woman who grasps the principles can make their own methods. The person who focuses solely on the methods is surely to fail. Because the thing is, the beauty of methods You know, different types of diet, intermittent fasting, um, five, two diets, slimming world, God forbid, weight watches, all these sort of things. These are all methods. And what the world is doing at the moment, what the nutrition industry is doing is is trying to make these methods look as sexy as possible, look as attractive to you as possible. Make them look as quick as possible because we're trying to rush everything and do everything too much. We're trying to busy ourselves too much so that you buy into one of those methods without really educating you on the principle. Why do you think Slimming World is so successful for keeping people? I'm not saying it succeeds. If you have found, if, 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 if you know someone or you yourself have been through Slimming World and you have lost weight, then you have successfully found a way of maintaining an energy deficit. The actual methodology of Slimming World is awful. You know, made up sin systems, you know, how mashed bananas is worse for you than whole bananas, all that sort of stuff. It's rubbish. But the thing is, There's a alluring community behind the method, which lures people in, lures, laws, lures, don't know how to say that word, brings people in and keeps them going, keeps them in, forces them to stay. Usually guilt trips people in. When what the world really needs in the world, according to Ben, is an understanding of the principles so you can make your own methods. And I'm here to give you several options of methods, but I'm here to educate you on the principles. And that's what we're going to do today. If you want to lose, let's go through the three. If you want to lose weight, you need an energy deficit. It is as simple as eating less and moving more, but it's a little bit more nuanced than that. On black and white, on paper, eating less, moving more, that is the overall summary. In the real world, there are other things that we need to dial in here and there are other things that we need to pay attention to, the nutritional adequacy, the nutritional quality of what we're eating. And yes, there will always be those people, and I can find you the study and I can share it with everybody, you know, of people who have lost weight on there's something famous in america called the twinkie diet i don't know what the equivalent is of twinkies in the uk from the us i'm not entirely sure but they're they're essentially like i'm pretty sure they're like marshmallowy chocolatey sweet bar things and somebody as long as it fitted calories somebody was on just those they ate just those for like 10 weeks something mental and still lost weight In fact, I think it was longer than 10 weeks. I'm I'm ashamed to say I'm pretty sure it was six months. Uh, They were on just eating that one particular chocolate bar and that's it. And maybe like a multivitamin and some water. And that was it. And they lost weight. Why? Because of energy balance. Now, that was very much N equals one, i.e. one person in a study. That's very inaccurate. That's an anecdotal study. Um, And that doesn't show anything major. It kind of goes to show how... Not how trivial, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, it's right at the tip of my tongue. Fickle calories can be. That can show you how fickle calories can be because ultimately, yes, you can treat your body like landfill as long as you're in a calorie deficit and still lose weight. Is that the most healthy way to live? Clearly not. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that we're dialing in other methods around that principle to ensure that we are achieving optimal health because that is the goal we are treated, we are losing weight to achieve optimal health we are gaining sports performance to achieve optimal health and optimal performance we are trying to dial in our overall health and nutrition but not lose weight or gain weight to achieve optimal health that's what we're trying to achieve so as we go forward let's look at tracking itself now tracking is putting a numerical representation on, on top of the food that we eat calories are a unit of measurement for food It's a unit of measurement that we use that actually dictates how much energy it takes to heat one gram of water by one degree if you want to be super super technical it's heating it's not one gram at all it's one liter heating one liter of water from 13 degrees celsius to 14 degrees celsius how much energy does that uh, require well that's one calorie so You then use those calories as an absolute base for understanding energy balance. Now then, um, when you look at something that's got 40 calories, 39 calories, 33 calories, whatever it is that we've got on the screen here in front of us, then we can start to picture how much energy we need per day. We work that out by using calorie calculators. Calorie calculators are all estimations. They will give you an exact amount of calories, even down to the decimal. Every single person here has got that but they are still estimations. The reason that we use um, more exact amounts is because if you put it in a tracking app, it has to add up to 100%. It has to 100% balance. Otherwise the tracking app won't work. So what you'll see in Basecamp is how to set up NutriCheck. That's the one I recommend you use. You could use free MyFitnessPal, but I find NutriCheck just a lot easier for the UK foods. Uh, It's only three 99 a month. And as you do that, you put the exact amounts in. When it comes to the practical application of that, I find that rounding it down to the nearest 10 to the nearest hundred, that's where you're better off aiming for. So for example, if you've got a calorie target of say 1837, then if you can get 1800 calories, you're in a great place. If your protein target is 126 grams, If you can get anywhere up to 120 grams of protein, you're in a fantastic place. This is where we are looking at this more of a conceptual manner. We don't need to get super fixated on getting those final ones and twos and threes of calories because it makes naffle difference, naffle difference. So when it comes to tracking, we need to understand there's a lot of things that we can track, right? We've got nutrients, macronutrients, protein, fats, carbohydrates. Then we have micronutrients vitamins and minerals then we have water that's pretty much what makes up all food now we could track every single thing in there we could break carbohydrates down to fiber as well we could look at saturated fats we can look at polyunsaturated fats monounsaturated fats transhydrogenated fats we could look at complex carbohydrates we could look at simple carbohydrates we could look at sugars solely we could look at alcohol sugars we could look at poliols we can look at all these things which we don't need to do Some tracking apps will give you absolutely every single one of these, which makes them too overcomplicated. Again, in the world, according to Ben, the perfect tracking app would have calories, protein, fats, carbs, and nothing else. Nothing else. Because as much as it says, yes, you should get 30 grams of fiber per day, that is a complete estimation. And trying to get that 30 grams of fiber conceptualized is far more difficult than it needs to be. You might as well just eat five fruits and vegetables per day. It it really is that simple. That will cover your fiber sort of recommendation, as it were, for the day. If you get five fruit and vegetables per day as well, you're most likely going to be getting um, all of, if not the absolute majority of your micronutrients, your vitamins and minerals required for the day. Yes, there will be some missing because you don't get them all from fruits and vegetables. But that's where we look at protein. Do we eat a plant based diet? Do we eat kind of a omnivorous diet? If you're not eating meat, then we need to bear in mind that there are other nutrients that we need to look at. These are other considerations, and this is where I'm kind of going off on a bit of a tangent here. But the the reality of tracking calories is the large majority of people here are going to need to track calories and protein, and then they're going to need to understand whether they're on a Moderate carbohydrate diet, or a lower carbohydrate diet—not a zero carb diet, because life becomes miserable—but a lower carbohydrate diet, i.e., not centering every single dish on a boat, boatload of carbs. Think about a plate of spaghetti bolognese. What's the first thing you put on the plate? For pretty much every person ever, it's usually car—it's usually uh, spaghetti, right? Carbohydrates. You put tons of it on the plate. You put a bit of bolognese on top, and you have it with garlic bread. The vast majority of micro uh, wrong of macronutrients in that dish is going to be carbohydrates with a very small amount of protein if we can flip that on its head and think well actually let's go for half the portion of spaghetti and then let's put like salad and vegetables and stuff on the other half so we got a bowl We go for half a portion of spaghetti, we get a box of ready prepared salad to make life as as simple as possible. And in there you've got some beetroot, you've got some cucumber, you've got some tomatoes, you've got some lettuce, you've got some other leaves, whatever, grab a handful of that and you fill the other half of the plate with that. And then you put a slightly bigger portion of bolognese on top. What are you doing? You're increasing fiber because you're getting vegetables. Fiber for those who don't know, sorry, I haven't covered that. Fibre is an indigestible carbohydrate. So you can look on the screen at the moment. We've got pak choy, we've got some asparagus, we've got some green beans, we've got some um, strawberries, we've got tomatoes, peppers, that sort of thing. Well, we've got fibre. Fibre is a non-digestible version of carbohydrates, all carbohydrates being essentially sugars, of some description. And because it doesn't digest, it doesn't mean that it just disappears in the stomach. It goes through the digestion, digestive system. But it doesn't break down like other foods would do into its complete constituent parts. Fibre is something that doesn't digest fully in the gut and therefore gets digested out. However, as it's going through the digestive tract, as it's going through the the, uh, large and the small intestine, what it's doing is it's taking the trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cultures of of bacteria that you have in your digestive system and it's forcing it to work. If you think of your digestive system is a big long conveyor belt and there's tons of people on either side of the conveyor belt and they're all doing stuff to process the stuff that goes through on the conveyor belt that's your digestive system and all the tiny people they are your gut microbiome they are the health center of your gut now then as you are eating non-fibrous foods then the conveyor belt's going at a manageable speed and every single thing on that conveyor belt, all those tiny people can grab stuff, they know what they're doing, they can put it in the right place, and so on and so forth. If you introduce fiber into your di- digestive system, it's a bit like overloading that conveyor belt a little bit. It's going to speed up a little bit, and there's going to be a few things in there that those people haven't seen before, uh, and they can't quite remember what to do with, right? It's a bit like those things in the pantry that you've got quite the, right at the back of the cupboard, and you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing with that. Same thing with the conveyor belts all these little tiny people all the all the microbiota in your in your gut they're looking at that conveyor belt and they're like oh my god i've got to start working a little bit harder now the harder they work the more effective your gut so the harder you work it by having enough fiber yes you can have too much i'll come on to that in a second by having enough fiber the healthier your gut's going to be and that comes, you know, here we've got blueberries, we've got tomatoes, we've got strawberries, you know, you've got soluble carb, soluble fibers. You've got roughages, you know, your greens, your carrots, your beans and your asparagus, things like that. That almost rhymed. What you've got there is something that's going to be a bit more testing. That's um, insoluble fibers. These are the ones that are quite quite frankly, without giving you too much information, they're going to pass straight through, but they are still testing the gut they are still breaking down and there are still um, micronutrients vitamins and minerals to be broken down there i hope i have not gone off on too much of a tangent there and explained what fiber is essentially fiber is fruit and veg and essentially the large majority of us notwithstanding those who are on a largely plant-centric diet will need to eat more of them now that's how we deal with fiber when we look at tracking calories and we're looking at protein protein is something that Is the building block of all muscles and cells. Every single cell is going to be a receptor of protein. It's going to have protein in it. It's going to need protein and we need to get enough. Now, the thing is, if you go on Google and you go onto the Eat Well plate, which is the government guidelines from Public Health England for um, overall health, they will say you need to have 0.8 grams per kilo body weight of protein. And the reason they say that is because you've got to understand the role of Public Health England. They got 75 million people that they then need to bring up to scratch to get one step above mass deficiency. But you don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, I want to be one step above deficiency. You wake up in the morning and say, I want to be optimal health. I want to lose the weight. I want to feel good. I want to have energy. I want to be vibrant and full of vitality. That's what you think, right? I hope. So when we look at the Ewell plate, we understand that actually it's flawed for those who are looking for optimal health. So that's where we look at research. That's where we become evidence-based nutrition students, right? So when we look at the evidence, we start to understand what's the optimal rate, uh, sorry, the optimal intake of protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And protein comes in at number one. That's why a lot of you will have targets that are somewhere between 1.2 and two grams per kilo body weight. And there's a range between, depending on the goals that you're trying to achieve. If you've got a larger amount of weight to lose, a higher protein diet is good. Like I'm talking 1.6 to 1.8, maybe even two grams of of protein per kilo body weight because protein is a largely satiating food. What that means is it's filling. You feel full. And as you're eating a higher amount of protein, you're allowing your body to lose body fat by eating something that makes you feel more full thereby controlling how many calories you're eating on the flip side carbohydrates, which are not very satiating because they pass through the digestive system pretty quick. What that means is you have that bowl of porridge or whatever. And then in two hours later, you're hungry again. Whereas if you had a bowl of insert protein food here and a relatively high protein portion in two hours, you're not going to be hungry again because of the satiating effect of protein. So if you have like a high carb breakfast, for example, you will be hungry again within two hours, which is why number one recommendation for this particular call is if you eat breakfast in the morning and you eat because you're hungry, eat a high protein breakfast, make it 20 to 30 grams of protein per portion. And the way you look at that is by tracking that breakfast. Let's say you have, um, let's say you have blueberry porridge, porridge, right? So you make oats, um, water maybe a touch of oat milk a pinch of salt and you put some blueberries in there well if we look at the protein breakdown of that i mean oats do have protein in them but they've also got a lot of carbohydrates so you're going to have the vast majority of that breakfast is going to be a carbohydrate breakfast however if you got for super simple terms if you got those oats and you put a scoop of protein powder in there vanilla whatever flavor and then you made the porridge exactly the same then all of a sudden you've got a you've got a portion of breakfast that you can have less carbohydrates in because you can have less oats that's fine and you've got it 30 grams of protein immediately straight in you don't have to have protein powder at all you could have greek yogurt fruit and granola in the morning you could get that high protein granola that you get from aldi you could get Faye or yo valley or skia yogurt which has got about 10 grams of protein per 100 grams you could have 150 grams of that you could have some high protein granola you could chuck some blueberries on there and a wee drizzle of honey and you've got 30 grams of protein in your breakfast that's going to make you feel fantastic so the beauty of tracking is we get to conceptualize all this we can see all of this the downside of tracking is it can lead to rather obsessive tendencies we can look at it and go right i've got exactly 1857 calories to burn to to eat today so i need to eat them and if i get to 1858 calories i failed if i get to 1856 calories i failed Yes, that's an extreme uh, extreme example here, but there are people in the world who will think that. I have worked with people like that. And it's it's horrible for that person because that's the lie that they've been fed by other moron personal trainers who are trying to get people to just get my fitness plan and track to an nth degree. That's what I'm saying. It's not the only way. It's not the only way to lose weight. It's not the only way to control what you're eating. It's not the only way to dial in your performance. It is a way. In the world, according to Ben, I think everybody should have a healthy understanding of calories and what makes up their food that they eat, and that should come first. So I genuinely feel that everybody should spend at least a week tracking everything that they eat so that you understand your habits, you understand the foods that you eat. Because if I said, look, you're going to eat 100 grams of chicken or 100 grams of tofu or 100 grams of black beans, well, you want to know, well, okay, well, 100 grams of chicken breast, it's got about 40 grams of protein 100 grams of tofu okay that's got about 40 grams of protein 100 grams of black beans okay that's got about 20 grams of protein you know that just by recalling it off the top of your head so that you can then eat like a normal human being and not have to track everything and put your dish together but you go into it with the knowledge of understanding what makes up that food for example has anybody ever heard please comment if you think this i'm not here to belittle you or take the piss or anything like that who here thinks peanut butter is a good source of protein Jump into chat if you think that is. Because when people say peanut butter is a great source of protein or peanuts or nuts are a great source of protein, they're missing the fact that that's not the main element of peanut butter. When was the last time you ate 100 grams of peanut butter? I can't do that. That's a, that's a monumental amount of peanut butter. But in 100 grams of peanut butter, there's like 20 or 30 grams of protein. Yes, but there's also about 80 grams of fat because nuts naturally are higher in fat. Fat is not a bad thing to eat. We do need it, but we need to make sure that we understand protein, four calories per gram, carbohydrates, four calories per gram, fats, nine calories per gram. So over double the con- the concentration of calories per gram. We need to understand that as we're piece- as we're smearing over some uh, peanut butter on our toast, right? We need to understand that. So the thing, the thing with that is, when you're looking at, whoops, sorry, when you're looking at that peanut butter and you're smearing it on your toast, be mindful of how much you're using. With a portion being like what 15 grams, I think, off the back of a packet, but on average you might be using 40. You need to understand that. Need to understand how that works. But equally, when it comes to protein, I am going off on a huge tangent here. But when it comes to protein, we need to make sure that we're getting the best quality protein. I saw this horrendous video on Instagram the other day shock. And it was like, it was a protein shake. And I'm pretty sure it had, they were doing this like, hey, make a plant based protein shake with me video. And they put like oat milk and stuff in. Um, I'm fairly certain they put an entire tin of black beans and they put some dates in there, which is definitely to counteract um, the beans with some form of sweetness. They put literally, they put 100 grams of peanut butter in, 100 grams of peanut butter. This is one shake, by the way, 100 grams of peanut butter, um, cacao powder, oh, some other stuff. Oh, my goodness me. I can't remember. But I, I, I thought I'll oh, just, you know, let's just Let's just play with this because they were like, hey, this has more protein than chicken or more protein than whey protein shake or whatever. Now, the thing is, a chicken breast, let's let's say the arguments against a chicken breast. Well, the chicken breast is like 200 calories for an entire breast, right? A protein shake is about 200 calories for an entire protein shake. This I worked it out that day. And if I can dig it out, if I can find it, I can't remember if I've saved it or not. If I can dig it out, I'll share it with you to show you the context. Um, I calculated the calories on it because they gave you the grams of of how much stuff was used and it was over 1100 calories, 1100 calories in one drink. That's why nuts are not a good source of protein. Nuts are a fantastic source of polyunsaturated fats. Brazil nuts. If you eat three Brazil nuts every single day, you will get your daily dose of selenium, which is a fantastic mineral for brain health, for hair health, for skin health selenium helps thin the blood if you are dealing with high blood pressure uh, sorry low blood pressure and it helps with a lot of things and you can just get that from three brazil nuts if you were to just enjoy some walnuts you are helping um you know i've had a question the other day about brain stre- not brain strengthening that's a terrible term but foods for brain health walnuts walnuts are fantastic for that I mean, if you were to get three or four walnuts in per day You are not breaking the calorie bank per se, but you're getting a ton of extra nutrition from it. Are you eating those walnuts for protein? No, you're not. Because as much as protein is super important, it's not the only thing we should be focusing on. You could eat seven heads of broccoli and still get around 50 grams of protein, but that's pretty miserable. So we need to make sure that we are not focusing solely on protein, but also ensuring that we're getting that overall balance. Again, this is the downside of tracking because you can get a bit fixated on that. And it's kind of the bro thing of if if anyone's ever heard if it fits your macros, bro, um, and they're in the gym, you know, if it fits your macros, you can eat it. I the, the concept of that is you can eat whatever you want as long as it fits the the, the gram split of grams of carbohydrates, grams of fat, grams of protein. They're your macronutrients, that's your macro split. And the garbage behind that quite frankly is the fact that it's encouraging people to eat what the hell they want i.e crap with no education on how to eat well and then be like if it fits your macros these are also the sort of people that will eat like sherbet sticks in between you know sets and reps in the gym just to get like extra benefit which is which is very very strange so that's the tracking side of life okay so when we're looking at tracking we need to understand that there is definitely pluses and minuses for this particular camp. But let's look at the other side. Because what we can do is you can get a happy medium here. And a happy medium of tracking to not tracking is looking at a food diary. If everybody here, anybody here, is looking to improve their relationship with food, their nutrition, they are looking to manipulate their weight, they're looking to dial in their health, they're looking to increase their performance. Every single person. Fill in a food diary for a full seven days. What days is it today? Wednesday. So do tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All right, all the way through for a full seven days. Write it down and be as detailed as possible. Don't do it when you're in bed at night and you're thinking, what do I have for breakfast? Oh, I think I had this, 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 this. Do it as you would tracking. Write it as you, all the way, uh, as you go all the way through the day, right? Look at your breakfast. Look at your lunch. Look at the dinner. Look at the snacks. Be truthful. Don't say, oh, I'm not going to write that down because, you know, Ben's going to see it. People do, but don't, because I don't care what you eat. I don't. I care that you have the 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 courage and the trust in me to tell the truth. Because if we don't have the truthful picture of what you eat, then we can't work properly around that. I lived, I've I've worked with someone very many years ago in the past. Um, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at a food diary, scratching my head, being like, I don't understand how you're not losing weight. I don't understand how you're not doing everything right. Um, in actuality, they wrote the food diary that they thought I wanted to see, not the actual food diary that was reflective of what they were eating. So clearly it's an issue there. So we need to look at the food diary. Food diary is great because you're allowed to then go as detailed as you want. I would suggest if you're looking at dialing in your food, and you're looking at tracking things, weigh things out at the very least. Understand how much peanut butter you're having. Understand how much your chicken breast weighs and go for it and, and weigh things in its raw form. All right. So if you're going to weigh a chicken breast, like do a raw chicken breast, obviously clean your scales. If you're going to do toast, do bread, weigh the bread, you know, because that will that will make all of your measurements consistent. Because clearly when you cook pasta, that's going to have a different weight to raw pasta. And we need to make sure that we're understanding as uniform as possible what it is that you're eating. So a food diary is a nice, happy medium. Now, moving on to the next side of life, we then look at the habits now we can look at this a bit more holistically but we do need to look at the facts we need to understand what it is that you're eating we need to understand some of the measurements we need to understand some of the mathematics because that's where we can start to really truly dive into what it is that you are trying to change and how we do that because when we look at the calories and we look at the food diaries and we look at what it is you're eating and we can actually see what you're currently truthfully eating then we can look at the habits and the changes that need to be made and that is, I mean, I've said one of them already. You know, do you eat breakfast because you think it's the most important meal of the day, or do you eat breakfast because you're hungry? If you think it's the most important meal of the day, yet you're not hungry, you're wasting your time by eating. You don't need to eat. You don't need to eat. Eat when you're hungry. If you are dialing in performance, then yes, we need to be a little bit more regimented with what we're eating, as long as we are still within that energy balance and ensuring that we are still pushing your body in the way it needs to go. But if you're looking to lose weight, eat when you're hungry if you're looking to dial in health dial in consistency does that make sense so if you're trying to lose weight eat when you're hungry when you're trying to dial in your overall health your overall vitality your overall energy and not change weight eat consistently on a routine and when you are trying to dial in your performance then we need to make sure that you are getting absolute rocket fuel as and when you need it. There's a little bit more nuance to that. So when we look at the first two, let's look at the habits. Breakfast. Do we eat because we're hungry? Do we eat because it's breakfast time? That's the first habit to look at. If you are looking to make everything consistent, and actually you do enjoy eating breakfast, make breakfast the same meal at least five times a week. On those working days, eat the same breakfast. Make it the same. Same size, same ingredients, same stuff. Because in your mornings, you've got enough things to think about that don't need to be, oh, what am I gonna have for breakfast today? You know, what's this gonna be? Because the more you're then giving yourself the options and the more you're then giving yourself different choices, the more you're putting your body into something called decision fatigue, which is just too many things to think about. Whereas if you know you have the same breakfast every day, and I, you know, you know that you get up in the morning and it's like, right two poached eggs and half an avocado on toast is my jam. So that's what I have. Or yogurt, blueberries, granola, and honey is my thing. So that's what I have. Or, you know, whatever that is. Then just have the same thing. Or whether it's overnight oats. We're kind of in overnight oats territory now, won't be the summer. You know, make the portions up at the start of the week and put five of them in the fridge. I went through a big overnight oats phase once upon a time. And I would have like five jars of them made up for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, it was a point where I was also commuting to work as well once upon a time. And it just made life easy because I get up in the morning. I had a very, very early start. So I didn't want to get out of bed um earlier than I needed to. Very early start to get in the car to then drive. So I got up, got dressed, got downstairs, bags already packed, had a drink of water. Uh, brush my teeth open the fridge then you've got a jar of overnight oats ready to go grab a spoon get in the car eat it in the car on the way to work and it's the same breakfast and it was a high protein overnight oats with chia seeds and very hipster vibes right and that was consistent when it's consistent you're nailing that consistency you are nailing the amount of calories understanding what makes up the food that you eat you are standardizing those sort of things evening meals i'll come on to lunch in a minute evening meals plan them Again, you don't have that much time in the evenings because we've all got busy lives and got stuff going on. And there's other things that we want to do. Right. And you need to come and listen to me on a Wednesday evening anyway. And if you plan your meals throughout the week, you will successfully a- approach your nutrition plan for that week and make it a minimum of your working days. Monday to Friday for, for the large majority of us is working days. Right. So make those days planned for dinner. What am I going to eat Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night? If you work shifts, then work it around your shifts. If you work odd days, then work it around your odd days. But plan them. Why does this make life easier? Well, if you plan everything you're going to eat, you plan what you need to buy from Tesco's. If you eat more or less the same stuff every week, and the large majority of us do, you know, there's a very seldom are we going to go over the same 20 recipes over and over and over again, right? We're very, we're very, rarely going to change from that so then you know what you need to order you can save time and get a a delivery of shopping save some time because you're going to go into tesco's go into your favorites go click 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 i know exactly what i need and it's delivered tomorrow and that does not take the same amount of time as you scrolling around asda to go and get those you know those those last bit of reduced think about the investment in your time in your energy Versus the investment in that couple of pence that you could save by getting your mayonnaise from Asda over Tesco's. Apart from getting those high-protein yogurts from Aldi because they are delicious. You know, this is where we can really start to dial in our habits. This is where we can really start to dial in our routine and gain back some time. Because meal prepping does not need to be a Michelin star chef working all day Sunday in order to prepare three days worth of food. It doesn't. It needs to be about two hours on a weekend and you will prep seven meals. If you cannot prep seven meals in about two hours I will personally come to your house and cook for you because if we can dial in the recipes that we need to cook that we can lean back on or at least the methods behind meals then we can start to prep our weeks of damn sight easier and when I say the methods around meals like there are some meals like tonight for example our, our dinner is a bit kind of thrown together because w- we won't usually have a fully prepped meal for every single night but we have a lot of variety in the fridge it kind of leads me on to lunch but i'm gonna stick on this for now And we have something called fridge tapas all right and we go in there and the, you know i've got some esquites, which is essentially like mexican corn that has been pan fried a bit of mayonnaise and some spices and stuff um chicken that's already cooked off so that's already prepped a uh, bunch of like raw veg crudity things some hummus uh and a few other bits and pieces on a plate high protein high variety you feel fantastic after you've eaten it you feel full and satiated for a low caloric return And that takes 10 minutes to cook. On other days, it's a case of, right, we're going to make fajitas. So we'll cook off a bunch of chicken, make a big fajita mix, freeze a bunch of fajita mix. And then you've got loads of stuff in the fridge. You have prepped. You have got stuff ready. If you are living alone, it's difficult to cook a single portion. So cook two and freeze one or cook two and leave one till tomorrow or cook dinner for tonight and then take the second portion for lunch tomorrow. When we look at prepping our food, we don't need to overcomplicate it. We don't need to overcomplicate it. You you can get some protein from some black beans and some beef and some rice, and you could live off chili with tons of veg, cheap veg that you're getting, three for two or reduced. I live in the reduced aisle in Tesco's. When we look at that, we can we can really simplify how we approach things because it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. complicated. If you're struggling to get veg in, go to Asda or Tesco's, get a massive box of prepared salad, get two of them and just eat that through the week and have a handful with every meal. And that will get you all the nutrients that you need from plants. Get some protein, maybe take a multivitamin. Good to go. Now, then, let's go back to lunch because we dealt with breakfast, we dealt with dinner. Right. So let's look at lunch. In the world, according to Ben, lunch is the most mindful meal of your day because the large majority of us, me included, once upon a time, you are escaping the day to eat lunch. I used to live in an. I used to work. Basic, might as well have lived. I used to work in an office. Once upon a time, it was an hour and fifteen to uh, to get there, an hour and fifteen to get back. I started my day about half past five in the morning, and got back and then had to like train and then go to bed. It was a very busy time. And it was such a miserable job. It was a very low part of my life. And one of the best parts of the day, aside from the drive there and back, which was the best part of the day, the second best part was lunchtime. Because take, I, I, would, I would take my lunch and I would walk around this like woodland bit and I'd eat my lunch while walking. We're going to sit on a bench in the trees or whatever and just, just escape from the world. So lunch becomes the most mindful meal of the day you're using it for something more than just eating. So give yourself variety, give yourself choice, and give yourself lots of food that's going to make you feel good. You know, a reheated lasagna chunk from last night is going to make you feel sleepy at 2 p.m. You know, you're going to get that post-lunch long because you're going to have something high in carbohydrates that's going to drop uh, spike the blood sugar, drop the blood sugar, you're going to be tired, and there we go. And that becomes worse with the sort of more dense the food because it sits there in your gut and you're like, Bleh. it sits there. It's got to digest, and your body's got to go on a bit of standby um, in order to deal with it and digest it. I did a corporate wellness package once upon a time and audited the food that this company were giving for free to all their clients, and the number one thing they had in order was you collect your tray. It was a white bread roll, no joke. The next thing was. Apple sauce. The next thing was stuffing. The next thing was uh, pulled pork. The next thing was jacket potatoes. The next thing was chips. This is not a joke. The next thing was chips. Uh, The next thing was like beans, I think, something like that. Um, And then it had a separate counter with a little bit of salad in it. But human beings are going to go for the first thing they get, blah, blah, blah. No wonder you're having lack of performance and and more tired people in the afternoon. They're eating an absolute bomb of food. They're literally eating an anchor. And then they're wondering why they're so heavy, lethargic and tired in the afternoon. So give yourself the option for variety. Fill your fridge with tons of options. Cook off some chicken. Cook off some tofu. Get some seitan in you. You know, make all that up. Prep it all. Slice it all. Chuck it in the fridge. Give yourself five days worth. Because when you've got that in there and you've got some vegetables in there, you know, you've got bell peppers, you've got cucumbers, you've got some radishes, you've got some carrots, you've got some lettuce or some spinach or some mixed salad or whatever. You've got a very, very easy lunch you can throw together. Get a bit of Hellman's light mayonnaise, get a bit of cottage cheese on there, whatever whatever it is that you want to sort of lubricate your lunch boil off some eggs if you eat eggs or have hard boiled eggs at the same time so you've got high protein high variety a high sort of virtuous feeling lunch you're going to feel fantastic because you're eating good food you're not going to fall asleep at 2 p.m because you're not eating a huge calorie anchor of food and you're getting tons of variety you're, you're treating your body well so that's my advice around lunch make it changeable make it varied make it fun make it healthy make it uh, uh, insultingly healthy make all your other colleagues go oh my god you're so healthy that's what you want because you're going to feel fantastic for it standardized breakfast tons of variety and high protein for lunch prepared evening meals and cut out the snacking in between unless you're trying to really dial in performance and you are struggling to get in sort of intra and post workout carbohydrates you don't need to snack if you find yourself snacking at 10 o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon you have one of two things that are going on you either have the lack of discipline to hold on until lunchtime or you're not quite eating enough in your breakfast and lunch either because you're trying to lose weight or you are maintaining weight and not eating enough if you're trying to lose weight then we need to increase the fiber and the protein in your lunch and in your breakfast to help you feel more full And then we're going to need to sprinkle a little bit of discipline over the top of that, because if you're dieting, if you're trying to lose weight, then guess what? There are times where you're going to be hungry. That's why we don't want to diet forever. We need to get it done. We need to get it out the way. And we need to get you back to maintenance calories where you're eating enough for the size and shape that you are to maintain that as quickly as possible. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. If you have any questions, team, I have the chat box open. I've noticed we've had a couple of people jump in there. I haven't, uh, I'm haven't. i not ignoring your comments. I have got them. Uh, I'm going to deal with those right at the end. But if you have any questions, jump into the comments. Do let me know. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you've got some questions, you know where to go. Jump into the chat boxes, jump into the Facebook group, and let's rock and roll, team. Because we can look at habits. We can look at tracking. We can look at non-tracking. We can look at hyper-over-complicating everything that is going on in our nutrition world but here's the world according to ben and here is the big six all right if you can stick to these six things you will be the absolute picture of health number one sleep enough between seven and nine hours of sleep every single night without fail standardizing your bedtime and wake times number one number two Eat plenty of variety, fruits and vegetables, minimum of five per day. Simple. Number two, drink two to three liters of water every single day. Number three, no, sorry, number four, focus on protein. When you're looking at your nutrition, focus on protein. Nail that target, you're good to go. Number five, manage stress. Easy for you to say, Ben, just manage stress. Massive, great, big blanket term. You've got stress in your life. A, welcome to life. But also B, understand where that stress is coming from. Are you going through a particularly stressful time at work because you have got certain decisions that need to be made and therefore it's a bit more situational stress? Or are you chronically stressed because you hate your job? Are you chronically stressed because Karen or Callum at work just does your head in? These are things to deal with. Is there a stress that you're carrying in the morning because you get up in the morning, you watch BBC garbage news, you're driving to work, somebody cuts you up, you're angry at them, they take that anger into work, you snap at somebody at work, you're in a generally foul mood all day. Is that a lower level of chronic stress? If you're not managing that, that's where you start. And number six is do some exercise daily, every single day, move your body. If you can do all those six things, you will be the picture of health. You will. rubbish with food what suggestions do we have for lunches well like i said before give yourself variety look at higher protein foods that you like to eat if you eat meat look at chicken look at tuna look at getting some smoked mackerel in the fridge that'll last literally longer than nuclear war you know cook off some foods and have them in there look at cottage cheese Look at getting tofu in there. Look at getting your variety in there of fruits, of vegetables. Get some salads in there. Get some uh, peppers and some cucumbers. If you're saying that you're absolutely rubbish with food, don't overcomplicate it. If you don't want to go out and buy different salad-y vegetables, go and get a massive box of mixed salad and have a fistful of it with every single meal. Every single meal, bar breakfast, but with lunch and dinner, yeah? I'll come on to your question in a second, Larry. That's a very, very fantastic question. And, you know, if if you're saying I'm rubbish with lunches, well, what are you eating at the moment? What are you eating that makes you feel like you are rubbish with food? Because the fact of the matter is you could be doing things that are so well at the moment. But if you constantly tell yourself that you're rubbish with food, then guess what? You're only going to see yourself being rubbish at food. Instead, say, right, there are things you need to work on and then understand what it is that you need to work on. If you're struggling to get enough protein, we'll track your food first, track what you eat. You've just started with us. So look at that and go, what do I need to, you know, what am I eating right now for that first seven days? Track everything that goes in your mouth for those seven days and then look at the difference. Are you within some form of calorie balance? Yes or no? Are you in? uh, Are you hitting that protein target? Yes or no? Track everything that you're eating. All right. Because when you track everything that you're eating for that week, you'll be able to tell yourself that you are either rubbish with food or not rubbish with food. If you're rubbish with food, you're gonna be thousands of calories over and you're gonna have zero protein, but you're not gonna be rubbish with food. You just don't have that much of a culinary knowledge base like most people, and that's fine. I enjoy tracking, but I know it's not feasible for a lifetime. Do you think it's best to wean off tracking after a couple of months? 100%, and I'm pretty sure I've told you this actually already nobody's going to track forever don't track forever if you think you're tracking forever then i haven't been clear enough nobody should track forever i'm going to be blunt now and say if you want to track forever you have a psychological problem with food and that's something that we need to deal with tracking is a tool just like you all use a driving instructor you use a driving instructor to learn how to drive but you have never Called up your driving instructor between the day that you have passed and today to figure out how to drive. When you look at tracking food, I would argue that nobody enjoys tracking. But when you look at tracking food, you are plugging all the sums and all the things in, you're scanning everything. You are being 100% thorough with it to the nth degree for no longer than four weeks. For no longer than four weeks. Because You might be a data nerd, but there's a psychological problem with food. You've got far more things you could be doing in your life than tracking food. And for those people who do find themselves tracking food forever, then guess what? The accuracy and the truthfulness of that tracking tends to go down the toilet. And you end up tracking some of your food. You need to be tracking. Every single person here that wants to track needs to track for no longer than four weeks. Because in that four weeks, you will learn everything you need to know about what's in that food. You will be able to make that 80% accuracy of everything that you're eating, allowing for the 20%, because that's life, and you'll be able to deal with it yourself. No one should be tracking for more than four weeks, unless you are, um, um, unless you're like a bodybuilder and you're going for like 0% body fat and you are really trying to go down to the nth degree, but no one here is doing that because you'd be in the wrong place. Tofu is high in protein. Yes, indeed. Google it. Google high-protein foods and just eat some and have a look at them. But coming back onto tracking, yes, absolutely. After four weeks, you don't need to be tracking. If you are tracking, we need to have a deeper conversation about the thought process behind food. We do. Because there are more things you can be doing in your life than spending time tracking. If you find that you are craving that element of control, we need to deal with that. It's the same with non-tracking. Non-tracking can that there, there can be people so hard against tracking that they are so in the left wing of not tracking that they don't actually understand what it is that they're eating. You can't conceptualize that food. They're like, oh, why am I not losing weight? Well, are you under do you understand what it is that you're eating? Well, you know, I eat what my body tells me to eat. If I ate what my body tells me to eat, I'd be at the co-op every single day getting granola bars because they're fantastic. And they're the best granola bars you can get on the market. Would that do my body any good? Probably not. But it's what my body wants next to a box of crunchy nut and a loaf of bread, toasted sourdough with a bit of jam on top. That's what my body wants to eat. But that doesn't make make any sense. We need to understand what makes up that food that we eat. And we do that by conceptualizing the calories, the protein, the whatever to whatever depth of information you want to go into. But you don't need to be tracking for more than four weeks. You do not. Right. Any other questions? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Does coffee with milk count towards your fluid intake? Yes, 100%. So, um, great question. And I think actually a very common question that people think when it looks to when you come to your daily intake of liquid, of water, two to three liters of liquid. Now, you've got to remember that if you're eating, higher fiber foods like cucumber and uh, fruit and things like that, they're also going to have a high quantity of water in. You're not going to count that as a glass. You're not going to drink a glass of grapes, but when it comes to water, your three liter target, that's overall liquid now coffee coffee's fantastic i love a daily coffee love a daily coffee and that does go towards your fluid intake the diuretic effect the the dehydrating effect of caffeine is massively overplayed and unless you're having like four five six espressos per day you can completely discount that risk because the fact is you're making so you've got 300 ml of coffee and 200 ml of milk uh sorry yeah, 200, yeah, sorry, 200 ml of milk, uh, 300 ml of water, you know, to make a 500 ml coffee, I'm assuming. And you are, you've got that's 500 ml. So that's 500 milliliters to your daily liquid. So, yes, 100%. The problem that, that, that lies there is is the majority coming from just plain water? If the answer is no, then that's something we need to deal with. Because if you're having like five cups of coffee a day, then yeah, great, that's two and a half liters. But clearly, that's not going to be doing the brain and the body any good. You know, if you're having like one or two coffees a day, fantastic. If you're having it in the afternoon, do make it decaf. You know, if you're having tea, fine, fantastic. But get the majority of your fluid intake from plain water. I hope that answers your question. Um, Right. I can't remember what my next slide is. Uh, Takeaways. Okay, we'll do takeaways. We'll do questions. So uh, not takeaways as in a Chinese, though. So let me just dive through the chat. Let me know if you've got any questions, because I'm liking where we're going with this at the moment. Thank you very much for being so on it this evening. I appreciate we've been here for 59 minutes um peanut butter powder which does have more protein than butter yes it does right on that i'm going to have a quick two minutes talk about protein okay when we look at protein you have two different types of proteins okay you have one that's called an incomplete protein and you have one that's called a complete protein okay now when you look at a complete protein what does that mean well protein is made of things called amino acids a complete protein has all 21 amino acids in an adequate amount and it's very important that i stress the term adequate amount when you have an incomplete protein at least one essential amino acid so one of the real key amino acids of that complete 21 at least one is missing so let me let me put this into an analogy you've got a brick wall in front of you with 21 bricks frustratingly it's a it's an odd number okay so 21 bricks When you have 21 bricks and you have no gaps, you have a complete protein, protein being the whole wall. If you have some bricks missing, you have an incomplete protein. Every single plant-based protein is an incomplete protein. Now, before I Google social media, say that live on Instagram, people start throwing throwing their rattle out the pram. Now, the reason for that is simply because all animal proteins are complete proteins. They have all essential amino acids, all 21 amino acids, in adequate amounts. The closest plant-based proteins you have to a complete protein is tofu or soy products and quinoa, those two. Now, even they're not a 100% complete protein because they will have, if they don't have an entire brick missing, they've got a little bit of a brick missing. Because it won't, it might have all 21 amino acids, but it doesn't have them in an adequate amount. I hope that makes sense. So, for example, if you're looking at the brick wall analogy, you might have 21 bricks, but one of them's a half brick or one of them's a bit worn down. Do you know what I mean? So, as much as like quinoa and tofu or soy products are pretty close to a complete protein, All plant-based proteins are incomplete. Now, how do we get past that? Well, that's simple. If you've got a brick wall in front of you with some holes in it, get another brick wall and put it directly behind it. The high likelihood is those two walls together will plug each other's gaps. And those two walls together, you're going to have a complete wall, right? So that's how you get a complete protein when you're looking at plant-based diets. If you're just eating a plant-based diet or, or vegan diet or whatever it is you want to call it, then if you're looking at plant-based proteins, mix them together, have more than one. So if you're gonna have like uh, black beans, for example, have black beans and quinoa, or have a like a soy, if you're gonna make a bolognese and you're gonna get that sort of soy-based protein mince stuff, chuck some black beans in there. If you want to have like tofu, then have it on whole grain bread, for example. Because whole grain bread's quite quite, quite high in protein. Um, or if you're going to make like a like a risotto, perhaps, try using oats instead of risotto rice. Don't knock it till you try it. Savory porridge is absolutely sensational. It'll change your life. You know, when you're mixing these plant-based proteins together, you're going to get a complete protein. Now, all animal-based proteins are indeed complete proteins. So it makes life easier when it comes to tracking that. So it's just very important to note uh, to realize that we have those two different types. There's a lot of information in this, so it's going to be worth re-listening to this in the in the podcast. But I can talk nutrition all day and all night, and I know that you're not going to be here all night. Um, so there are lots of different things that I'd love to get into. But we've got a question here. What about adding lemon or lime segments into water for flavour? Yeah, 100%. 100%. For flavour? Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. To the people who on Instagram will claim that it alkalizes the body are literally talking rubbish the the whole warm water pinch of salt and lemon juice craze that's going on in the uh, uh, going on in the world at the moment sadly still um where that's the first thing you should have to you know to flush out your metabolism people are talking rubbish but if you're adding lemon lime segments to water for flavor i used to do all the time top recommendation get some grapefruit and a sprig of rosemary if you put that in like a water bottle um so i've got a shaker here a liter a liter shaker if you put like two slices of grapefruit and, a, and you get a sprig of rosemary and you kind of twist it to, to muckle it a little bit and you put that in water, absolutely beautiful, so good. And you just keep topping it up all day. So the same grapefruit and the same rosemary will last you all day long. Um, another one is lemon and ginger, absolutely fantastic. Um, just lemon or lime for flavor, 100%, absolutely. Um, throwing in some frozen summer berries uh, so as you're cooling it down and you're getting a little bit of um, flavor in there as well. All of these are going to work. Yes, do bear in mind that you are adding calories. But quite frankly, a slice of lemon means absolutely sod all when it comes to your overall daily calorie intake. Does that make sense? I hope that has been useful, team. Um, Mint and berries. Yeah, mint. That's another great one. Yeah, mint's another fantastic one in sparkling water with berries. Yeah, 100 percent. Love it, Larry. Brilliant. Um, Right. Anything else, team? Have we got any other questions at all? I'm trying to think if there are any other points that I might have missed in feedback forms, which I wanted to touch on today. If you are just starting your nutrition journey, don't overcomplicate it. Do a full seven-day food diary, either on a piece of paper or on a tracking app, and track every single thing you put in your mouth for seven days, and then we can learn from there. Does that make sense? If you can do that, brilliant send it to me once you've done it we'll talk about it and then we'll start implementing each of these one at a time if you know some of these basics but you're still not getting to where you want to be nutritionally are you actually doing them and i mean this with the greatest respect because i'm i was the sort of person once upon a time that would be complaining that i'm not getting super jacked and i wasn't doing what i knew i should be doing you know same thing team we've got to remember that we actually have to do these if you are caught up by going out for, you know, you've got quite a social life and you're going out for meals and stuff. Great. Track everything. Log everything in your day and give yourself an allowance of a thousand calories for that evening meal. Nice one, Charlie. Speak soon, dude. You know, if you are looking through these different processes, you've got to actually put them into practice. So, team, my challenge to you right for the end of this call. Hopefully, Charlie, I ca- you catch this in time. You haven't because you've just gone. Lol, is what is your biggest struggle with nutrition right now what is the biggest struggle send that to me and Claire in your hyper support and do that tonight I'm in Yorkshire all day tomorrow but I will have a bit of time because I want to review them all and I want to see where you're all at because you're all here you've stuck with me for the last hour and seven seven minutes now thank you so much so jump on there tell me what the biggest struggle is that you've got with nutrition because I've, I've jazzed up your mind now. I've got you thinking about it. I've got you started. Tell me what it is. Be truthful and actually do it because otherwise I will be picking on you <laughs> to get there because the, it's, it's like the number one rule, isn't it? Or in fact, the number three rule actually of your three commitments for the adventure coach. What you put into this process, you will get out of it. So comment, jump on WhatsApp now after this call in 60 seconds and tell me what your biggest struggle is with nutrition. And let's let's work through it. Let's workshop what that is. So, that we can get you there. If you're winning, brilliant. Tell me why you're winning. If you're not winning, brilliant. Tell me why you're not winning. Every single person to do that. All right, team? There you go. There's a Wednesday evening. I'm conscious that it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter in this office, and I'm starting to sweat. So, we are done. Thank you so much for your attention this evening, and I will speak to you all very soon. I'll see you all, every single one of you, in WhatsApp hyper support with an answer to that question. All right, team? So let's speak soon. Have a fantastic evening and I'll catch you next time. Peace.